Okay, so we're recording. Okay, it's Hi, been everyone. a long time. <laughs> it's been like two months um, yeah. since our last um, episode. I just want to start off this podcast by saying that um, I'm not that old. I'm like 22, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still old enough to have watched um, Sofia Coppola when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, back then we had no such thing as Greta Gerwig. Yeah, Instead I mean Greta Gerwig. Yeah, <laughs> instead of um, instead of Little Women and Lady Bird, we grew up watching The Virgin Suicides and I Lost guess. in Translation. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, The Little Woman was like there were like older films, but we never just it just was never in the kind of like the discovery. I What guess. do you mean? The Little Woman was made like three, four times. Oh, it's a different r e a l y Okay, yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, yeah, like at it was all. just like really not in the discovery, to be honest. Oh, okay. You know? Um, so, yeah, so today we're going to talk about the director, Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola? Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> Coppola. I struggle with names. Um, yeah, and we're just going to talk about maybe like, like mostly about three of her fil- films and then like. Yeah.、Um, brief talk on. Just a heads up. Sorry、one. for ignoring The Beguiled and.、Okay. The other movie,、um, I, I no、forgot、idea. what it's called, but it has Bill Murray and Rashida Jones. Yeah.、Um, not into Bill Murray that much, so. Yeah, me neither. Not planning to watch those. Yeah. I might watch Beguiled just because he has.、Um, oh my god, who's that actor that I love? Oh! I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, you can no, figure it out later. Nicole Kidman. Oh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I, I、okay. do like seeing her.、Um, yeah, so I might she's watch like、it. pretty graceful. Um. Okay, so we're going to talk about The Virgin Suicides, Marie Antoinette,、um, Lost in Translation, and The Bling Ring.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we can go ahead with. Yeah, what was, your, what was your thought on The Virgin Suicides? So, first of all, I can give like a little brief summary about what the movie's about.、Mm-hmm. So, the movie is supposedly set in the 1970s. It's about these five daughters, like born into like a really strict.、Um, Family, really religious family、yeah. as well. So they don't like allow the girls to you know, hang out with boys,、mm-hmm. like interact with boys, or even like go and、yeah. take a drive around or anything like that.、Yeah. So it's a really strict family, and the five daughters, obviously, from the name as it is implied, they do end up committing all committing suicide.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, yeah, the story is just mostly kind of about. Uh, told through the perspective of the five、uh, boys who, I guess,、Are、were their friends. Yeah, infatuated, yeah. like who, you know, had some kind of connection with、yeah. them and stuff. But yeah, that's basically the whole movie. It's really stylistic and quite fun,、like、<laughs> editing wise and, you know, music choice wise.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I really like Chris- Kirsten Dunst's acting in that movie. She was so young.、Mm-hmm. She was really young. She has her like, certain charisma that I feel like Sofia Coppola also gets.、Mm-hmm. And I think, I think I read it somewhere、mm-hmm. that like, it was Kristen Dunn's like, like a movie after、um, the one she made with vampires. Oh,、um, Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, Interview with the Vampire. And、yeah. like, she talked about how she, like, the Kristen Dunn's loved being on the set because it was all like, women. Moving from that like vampire film because、mm-hmm. that one was like, you know, she was almost the only, almost the only girl、oh, okay. on this film set and everything. But they're kind、mm-hmm. of like growing together because Kristen Dance also plays in Marie Antoinette. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Yeah. Um, I watched the movie last night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so you didn't have the same, like, high school watching experience as I did. No. Um, How was yours then? I've, like, to be honest, thinking about the movie now, I think I feel the same way um, about it now as I did then. Mm-hmm. Which is that, like, I, I didn't quite, like, um, like, feel the whole, like, teenage coming of, mm-hmm. coming of age experience as I did with other movies. Like, um, remember we watched American Honey when we were, like, 17, 18-ish? Yes. And, like, that was the point in time where, like, the coming of ageness of that movie really coincided with mm-hmm. my, um, with my experience then. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was just, like, like, wholly it was a great experience because I, it was so much relatability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't quite feel the same way, way with the virgin suicides. And that's, like, one of the things I'm wondering why. Like, what is it about the virgin suicides that just didn't quite do it for me? Mm-hmm. But there's still other aspects of it that I appreciate. Like, as you mentioned, like, stylistically, it's really over the top. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's one thing that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that runs across all her other films, too, especially. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it reaches a peak in Marie Antoinette. You know? Yeah. She brings all those, like, her love of, like, shooting, like, party scenes and yeah. all those, like, small moments um, quite well. But Virgin Suicides, yesterday, I watched it yesterday. It was my first time watching it. For some reason, I never, like, I guess, wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. I was, like, synopsis, read the synopsis, really interesting, but just somehow just didn't yeah. end up watching it. And um, I remember, like, I really like the song mm-hmm. that the movie starts with. It's the Playground Love okay. song. And I don't know, that song kind of put me in the really right mood to enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, overall, I guess that, like, experience of being a teenage, like, I could relate to a certain extent. extent yeah. And all, almost that, like, mystification of, like, I guess, girls from that comes from boys mm-hmm. like how boys just kind of like you know mystify and yeah make <laughs> girls like just uh, paint them in like super different ways and only try to like only really see them through the yeah through their own like you know painted lens and you know doesn't like that aspect i felt like is quite um like, i feel yeah i feel like she handled it really yeah well. like handled yeah. that really well and like on that front you can almost like connect to it Mm -hmm. because there's like that experience of like just when you're an adolescent and there's just people who kind of perceive you in their own ways that makes you more mysterious and like they like the idea of that yeah and then like you on the other hand you're you're your own person (laughs) yeah and you're like uh, really quite confused Mm -hmm. and I, I could relate to that experience. Yeah. To, and then you don't, like, bring them up, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, like, the like the teenage boys, like, <laughs> hormones, I guess, like, just really amplify that sort of... Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is perceived differently by every single yeah. individual, but it's, like... Um, with, with the case of the Virgin Suicides, the Lisbon sisters were just, like, in that sort of extreme confinement they were like perpetually grounded and Mm -hmm. i feel like that extremity on top of like the boys um infatuation with them just kind of amplifies the you know whole thing Mm -hmm. of like um like the the ideation of the girl just became like um turned into like extreme extreme infatuation yeah exactly so that was like the one aspect of the movie that i almost like could relate to Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's just like a really common experience, just when you're 
coming off age and like yeah. in, in the even the fact that the girls like almost like all know that that is going on but they don't really maybe they talk about it about behind the scenes right but they never like brought that up yeah to the boys which i almost felt like i could relate to that as well like mm-hmm. you know that someone is like perceiving you in that way you know that that's what they're thinking about you almost right mm-hmm. it's like seeing you in that kind of way but then you don't like wanna like you don't just think about confronting them because you're just like okay you know you just go along with it and i feel like that's what the sisters were to a degree doing like yeah. they, they well, were aware they're of pretty the situation. powerless as well so like, yeah they can't really do anything yeah so that aspect was really relevant yeah. um well. i feel like this movie kind of reminded me of Nabokov, Nabokov's Lolita, mm-hmm. because like, okay, well, Lolita is like a hugely misinterpreted um, literary work, and it's like still like mm-hmm. you know largely misinterpreted to this day, mm-hmm. um, and like obviously it's um, everything is seen from the perspective of the like child sex trafficker <laughs> Humbert Humbert, Humbert. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and like. Um, so, like, he puts Lolita in, like, a, like, a light that makes her seem like she's almost asking for, like, you know, like, they have the sort of romance going on when that's not really the case. And, like, uh, very few times in the book, like, you'll actually see small glimpses of her, like, Mm -hmm. wishing for her, um, escape. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, those things just, like, peek through a little bit, even through Humbert Humbert's narrative. Mm -hmm. And, like, a lot has been said about how Lolita can't really be ad- adapted into a movie mm-hmm. just because of, like, the nature of film, how, like, it kind of mm-hmm. tries to present everything as, you know, reality. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when, like, Lolita was adapted into two movies, one with Stanley Kubrick and, like, the other more prominent one, which is the 1997 adaptation, like, that movie was... You know, it it took the book too literally. Like, mm-hmm. it tried to show everything through Humbert Humbert's perspective. So, mm-hmm. like, people watching it would eventually end up getting the idea that, like, okay, Lolita was kind of asking for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is just, like, totally not... Which, some, which is something that, like, Vladimir Nabokov would just be disgusted by, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I feel like The Virgin Suicides actually maintained a really good balance of, like, showing it through, like portraying that like it's all through the boy's perspective mm-hmm. um and like that's the reason why we never really get to know like um what is the exact moment like that led to the girl's suicide mm-hmm. and that like, all those aspects are just kind of left to it's not even interpretation all those aspects are just like left as like mysterious i don't know like incentives how um not the boys would ever be able to kind of like answer the question of like um, why they actually decided to do it yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like you know same thing that has been happening since the beginning of film they're just yeah. the boys are just again not quite sure uh, what the girls intentions are mm-hmm. you know when they invite them to their houses and are like just really not unsure um yeah what did you think about um you know how like the male character who's into Lux. Oh, oh yes. And like, he's not an alcoholic. <laughs> what? He's an alcoholic. What well, do you mean? The guy with the glasses, right? 
the guy with the, the actor yeah oh no 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 not the actor he in the movie you know virgin suicide he like reco- the teenage boys and alcoholic yeah oh, okay he like later recounts his experience with like meeting lux lux and you know chasing after her mm-hmm. but like he is an alcoholic oh, okay yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah i didn't like really get why he left her um after they have intercourse you know, <laughs> on a football field rendering her not a virgin anymore <laughs> exactly so that i felt um quite confused and one of the funny thing about it is that okay so he starts chasing her mm-hmm. really really i guess persistently right yeah. like meets her dad asks her out you know really makes his intentions really clear mm-hmm. And obviously, Lux is, she is kind of like that, like, um, mischievous and, like, she she does, like, give him just a little bit of hints here and there, mm-hmm. you know, just, like, she's playful, yeah. is the word, but she's not, like, outright directly flirting with him till, the, like, the later end. So, he pursues her, obviously, they become, like, the prom king and queen, mm-hmm. and they go to the football field, obviously, at this point, Lux is kind of disobeying her parents by by like staying outside you know past her past yeah yeah, past her time and obviously they have sex and then like the morning she wakes up alone in the football field that was painful to watch how (laughs) but because of the shot it's from like an aerial perspective Mm -hmm. so when she wakes up and obviously there's a close-up and then it moves on to aerial and in a really big football field she's just like really tiny and oh, yeah. kind of just getting up right that's really so humiliating hurtful. for her especially considering like this is the first time she's kind of coming out of her shell yeah exactly it's like almost like whatever her parents warned her about just came true right yeah exactly yeah and it's also like almost like a testimony of how she does have the courage and to actually go against um for example, like her, like her parents, you yeah. know, guidelines or whatever to go for what she wants, mm-hmm. right? But in the like being left like that in the morning uh, is quite hurtful. And then how the guy later recounts that um, incident mm-hmm. and just hurrying it, rec- recounts his whole experience with Lux. She, he says, like obviously now an alcoholic, he looks really worn down mm-hmm. in those like recalling <laughs> scenes. So he says that this was like a type of love that he never f- experienced before mm. in that he will probably never experience after yeah and then he also said that like this is type of love that not a lot of people even gets to experience mm-hmm. and i was like but you left her like in like at a oh, football yeah, field in the morning that. and that's like um like you know he defines now looks back at it in such a diluted way of saying like it was the best love and uh, i don't know i kind of like i want to be charitable towards him because like at the time he was just like a teenage boy but like obviously to their perception like him leaving her alone it's just like you know Mm -hmm. a really big thing yeah it's just kind of like uh, really obviously doesn't give any explanation as to why he lost that kind of infatuation Mm -hmm. with her or that he had for her that quickly or you know i think like the boys are just really infatuated with the mystery that like perhaps after she's not a virgin anymore he kind of lost lost the interest Mm -hmm. you know maybe 
yeah. yeah. And after that, obviously, she goes through a really painful experience of like burning her recordings and like everything that like you know is valuable for her. Because mm-hmm. obviously, her parents are really strict, and um, so that whole experience to me was like like watching it from now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's got like way different from if I watched it when I was like fourteen. But I just find it funny of like how that dude was just kind of recounting that experience as something that like he would only experience once in a lifetime you know <laughs> i don't know I mean, maybe it's because like the things that happen to you when you're like coming of age or like in your adolescence is like yeah. way more it kind of sticks with you mm-hmm. to um at like a much deeper level yeah than the things that happen to you after that because like all the memories are like super emotionally charged so like recalling that back is like really intense yeah but also american people are kind of like i mean i guess what's unique about them is that they ascribe so much importance to their high school years i know? guess so. that's true yeah. yeah that is true if you think about like american so like for for that character his name is trip fontaine right i think so yeah fontaine. yeah he was like a he, he he's like peaked. the most popular kid like he definitely peaked yeah, around that then. time so it would make sense that like for him it's the I most guess. memorable yeah in his life yeah um i feel like that scene with trifontaine leaving lux behind in the football field after having intercourse was kind of indicative of that mysterious quality mm-hmm. of like you know why he like of like why the girls committed suicide etc and i feel like sofia coppola should have went harder with her whole like narrative style mm-hmm. of not giving answers. not giving answers. Yeah, you know? and I feel like a lot of the other girls also deserved just a little bit more of like uh, those kind of events. To like them. a screen time. Yeah, like yeah. screen time because a lot of the I guess the kind of clues that we get is for Cecilia and Lux, mm-hmm. right? For Cecilia, we saw that when the kid with the Down syndrome comes and everyone else is kind of mocking you know asking the kid to sing and it's kind of making fun of the way he's singing you know Mm -hmm. so all that kind of like that um indiscreet kind of bullying Mm -hmm. cecilia just gets really fed up with it she walks out you know it's it's actually her party Mm -hmm. but she walks out and she goes up and jumps up from the from her window yeah. So with that point with Cecilia, you have this kind of this moment where she just kind of felt that utmost disconnection and like mm-hmm. that lack of understanding that just is like within her like environment, right? Like there is this kind of like she understands what is like kind of going on, but everyone else is kind of playing along with it, especially mm-hmm. with that Down syndrome kid. Like yeah. you know, everyone's just like, "Oh my god, like you look so great." Like you sound great, like, sing a song, sing this song, mm-hmm. you know, like, she sees it, and she gets this, she feels disgusted with it, you know, and you can kind of see that it's, like, that, like, switch point mm-hmm. of her being, like, okay, you know, yeah. this is kind of helpless. We see that for Cecilia, that moment of switch, and mm-hmm. with Lux, you have, like, this little innuendos, like, mm-hmm. that is kind of leading up to it, right, mm-hmm. with that football field incident, and, like, all these kind of like experiences of like I don't know, let's say like burning her recordings or you know, yeah, uh, and also being responsible for, you know, for her other sisters to be grounded and mm-hmm. all of that. You see that with Lux, but with the other three sisters, you don't really like get to know them. Not even on a 
like uh, not even at least on a, like a pretty good surface level mm-hmm. so i feel like with that like it could have just easily been like instead of hour and 30 minute movie it could have been like two hour movie <laughs> with just a little bit more you know detail put into the sisters or like those kind of events that you were talking about yeah yeah i, I definitely think that would have made it better um also i think we can ask a question of um, I guess a lot of the discussion about this movie kind of revolves around the fact that, or, like, debate of, like, whether it's a style over substance. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it kind of follows her career, like, this debate of, like, she's a director of style and not of substance. Mm-hmm. And, like, or, like, you know, that's, like, the main kind of um, conversation around her work, especially around, for example, like, Marie Antoinette and, like, Virgin Suicide. It's really, like, stylistically charged. Yeah. But is there really, like, that, like, a deeper level of substance to it? I think... She- in the version suicide she's definitely going for something mm-hmm. like i don't like yeah. stylistically I, like i don't want to say that like just because it has style it has no substance i feel like mm-hmm. you know style can serve a really um important purpose mm-hmm. and i feel like it does in this movie but to me i feel like the whole concept of the virgin suicides maybe isn't executed to its fullest potential Mm -hmm. but i feel like it still catches like glimpses of like what she's trying to go for and like especially when it comes to capturing that extremity of that like teenage girl emotion i feel like it does that well yeah i think so too i feel like sofia coppola kind of matures her um voice of like isolation when she does lost in translation Mm -hmm. for me like that movie is extremely focused on that aspect of isolation Mm -hmm. um but it's a lot less grim than the social than the virgin suicides mm-hmm. it's more like you know it's it's sad that like the girls in the virgin suicides were never really able to make a connection with anybody else aside mm-hmm. from themselves but like i feel like the lot the narrative in lost in translation kind of <sighs> serves as what it is like to finally meet someone that yeah. you can i don't know share your loneliness with yeah, I think to me the way I see Lost in Translation is almost like it's like this almost her epitome of like combining what she wanted to do and the kind of the outcome. Mm-hmm. So like it seems like she really wanted to kind of portray this state of disconnection. It's yeah. like a state that you're like in, right? Mm-hmm. Like perpetually in. Like she wanted to portray that and she does and executes it really brilliantly stylistic wise you yeah. know like music sounds choice wise so there's not a lot of like wandering like off into different territories mm-hmm. and exploring different themes it's really focused mm-hmm. so it almost feels like with lost in translation she really kind of achieves that kind of uh, coherence yeah with what she wanted to do and like you yeah, know exactly. with everything so i do really enjoy lost in translation yeah and i think that movie kind of set her as an auteur yeah Yeah. a lot of people connected to it yeah um and like i guess it's just kind of a shift away from like um narrative focus and you know she as an american filmmaker did something that like more i guess serious art filmmakers in france for instance have been trying to do before yeah you know so and have done mm -hmm. yeah so you know she i guess she does she did say in her interview that like she sets up herself apart from her father francis ford coppola because like his movies are very <laughs> masculine <laughs> right and narrative yeah. focused mm-hmm. um and we can clearly see that yeah like that yeah. looseness yeah looseness of narrative and just like that kind of 
I don't know this um almost like this current that kind of runs through lost in translation mm-hmm. I really enjoy it it's yeah. more um focused on the inner experiences and dedicates like decent like minutes and minutes of like shot for example a scene right mm-hmm. just to show how someone is feeling yeah or like or imply how they might be feeling mm-hmm. versus narrator based movies kind of are really limited in that mm-hmm. aspect giving dedication to those silent moments yeah. where you are actually really processing and yeah for sure all of your thoughts and feelings um yeah i also like just how she wanted to bring out her sense of humor too with mm. the scenes in- in- involving Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. um, I watched her interview and like the, the um, interviewer just kept asking her like, why did you want to work with Bill Murray? Like, why mm-hmm. did you put him in this scene where he was like doing the whiskey commercial thing? And like, can you explain me, explain to me about like the scene where um, this um, escort keeps asking mm-hmm. Bill Murray to like rip her stockings. <laughs> yeah, I love and like Sofia Coppola was just like, you know, I just thought it would be like, I think Bill Murray is really funny, and like, I just thought it'd be so funny to like put him in these situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I think they were really funny, but like, her, um, I guess like her production of that comedy was also the same sort of like like remove it involved the same sort of removedness from the situation yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah and i i read that like she wrote the character like bill murray's character with bill murray in mind oh yeah so she was not gonna make the movie if bill murray didn't like chose to be part of it <laughs> i don't i don't like I, I agree with her on kirsten dance but i just don't see like bill murray. Bill murray. <laughs> i don't know for some reason i don't see any kind of specific um i don't know like favoring of bill murray i, know, I, I don't yeah. experience that personally yeah, bill either. murray is really neutral to me even with that like other movie goodwill hunting or whatever groundhog day uh, groundhog day like some, <laughs> some other movies i just like I, I don't feel the same kind of respect or like connection with bill no, murray no i don't either right so he's weird. just like to me a lot of the times he's not even that funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway i feel like um casting scarlet Johansson was like a really good choice I do yeah. like her kind of husky kind of voice yeah <laughs> she seems like I think she's only like 20 something yeah she's really the young character yeah. no I think like she was like 18 or something when the movie no, was oh yeah. yeah yeah but like um Scarlett Johansson does with her voice and everything like she does appear like to be a bit more precocious mm-hmm. um and like that works really well yes um if I just had to, like, almost, like, rate the movie on terms of how good it is, her, out of her movies, I would choose um, Lost in Translation as her best film. But with regards to personal enjoyment, <laughs> if I had to choose a movie, it would be Marie Antoinette. Just, She's not in Marie Antoinette. No, no, no. I'm oh. talking about, like, her movies in general. Uh, oh, Sofia Coppola. Yeah, Sofia Coppola's oh, okay, movie. <laughs> oh, they we're talking about. Uh, oh, okay. Scarlet. No, no. Oh, I feel. Like, I feel like I feel the same way. I feel like I appreciate um, Lost in Translation more, <laughs> right? but like enjoyment-wise, it was Marie Antoinette. Right? Like yeah. you see that like Lost in Translation is a really well like executed work, mm-hmm. like really well done. Right? Yeah. 
really cohesive and all that but Marie Antoinette is just a whole lot of fun like yeah. we can talk about Marie Antoinette yeah um okay so I watched it last night and this morning and <laughs> <laughs> did you watch it in two separate like did you split yeah. it oh okay yeah I had to go to sleep <laughs> I feel like I split it in like two or three days too I mean that was my that was because I watched it again oh, okay yeah um okay well it didn't matter like to me it just feels pretty continuous yeah um like I, I thought it was a really fun movie and like to be honest, like, I don't know if it's a revisionist movie, but I'm going to assume that that's what actually happened in <laughs> France at the time, you know? No one can convince me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like with Marie Antoinette, like, her love, um, like, uh, her love for music, her love for, like, fashion and art really comes true with oh, yeah. all the beautiful details, you mm-hmm. know? all those desserts that I was just literally like doing (laughs) while watching it yeah you know what made me think about Marie Antoinette I feel like it really makes sense that she wasn't as nefarious and cold-blooded a person as she was depicted in history Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like the thing is if she was she would have not taken the comments about her lavishness so lightly you know yeah she would have been more cunning she would have like actually hidden her wealth and like Mm -hmm. all her um like you know ornate dresses and decorations from other people just like 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 the billionaires these days are have adapted to that very well you know Mm -hmm. like mark zuckerberg and bill gates wear like the same stuff every single day (laughs) and it's like i feel like the rich people have really learned their lesson from like um the cautionary tale that marie antoinette has set for everyone else yeah honestly i if you just i mean just simply thinking about the fact that obviously the time and then the period that she's growing up and like the type of education and things that she learns when she's growing up obviously it's really like obviously is gearing towards that Mm -hmm. marriage and thing right but even then yeah being like 15 and 16 and like leaving your home to marry like this other man and you know like all of that experience might not have been like really surreal to her but she's still a teenager you know i think that's just like the fault of those times like Mm -hmm. people died pretty early and like people were you know expected of much greater responsibilities at such young age in like the noble families yeah so i feel like I don't know, maybe that's why there are always such jokes in history because they were so young when they, you know, um, adopted these, Mm -hmm. adopted these positions. Okay, maybe we should do like a quick recap of the movie. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Marie Antoinette is like a teenage girl. She's played by Kirsten Dunst, the lovely (laughs) Kirsten Dunst, um, who I think is like really, really well suited for the movie. She's excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, so she's like a, she's from a noble family in Austria, and she's married off to the royal family in France for, I guess, mutual alliance Mm -hmm. benefits. Yeah. And once she gets there, she marries off a prince who is around her own age. Yeah, Um, who's really awkward. (laughs) Who's kind of endearingly, uh, like, a huge nerd. Yeah, he's cute. (laughs) And... Um, from everyone, like everyone in their family, they're kind of expected to consummate and um, bring forward a child. Um, yeah. yeah, more more preferably a boy so that, you know, he can continue mm-hmm. the throne. And Marie Antoinette's in huge 
um, pressure from pressure, all sides. Yeah, she's in huge pressure to make that consummation work. But her newly married husband Louis the Sixteenth is very, very uninterested in having sex. <laughs> right? Yes. It's pretty funny. Um, but like after like seven years, I think. Um, Louis the Sixteenth is finally convinced that she should he should you know bear a child yeah. for the family, so they it does happen. <laughs> yeah, so it happens. They do make babies, <laughs> and they give birth to like number of kids. I think Three. the first one of which were like a bunch of daughters. And throughout all these years, Marie Antoinette has just been experiencing the most luxurious, ostentatious, rich lifestyle that you know probably. Mm-hmm only a few people in the history of mankind has ever gotten to experience. I know, right? Oh my god. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. This isn't in the movie, but, like, historical accounts say that, like, she averaged, like, about, like, 200 new dresses every year. Wow. (laughs) And her dresses are gorgeous. Everyone in that, like, royal family. The finest silk and everything, probably. You know, they have so many parties, and, like, every single party is just, like, overblown with, like, food and like mm-hmm. really like lots of gambling decorative pastries lots of gambling yeah lots well. of gambling so she yeah. ends up spending a lot of money right mm-hmm. yeah and also it's depicting the movie that she created like this whole farm for her in versailles oh was it her own farm yeah like <laughs> she created a farm because she wanted like a really like a rustic yeah you know, like simple lifestyle oh far from that like queen i don't know like that kind of you know lifestyle and like real accounts apparently about that um with the thing about mary antoinette i feel like it's a really good almost like a really good character study like you feel for her you know (laughs) like you feel you're like you know she's gonna die you know like you know her head is gonna get cut off but like you do feel for her like just from all the experiences she's um just uh kind of just pushed into really yeah like, i feel like yeah it just kind of speaks for the fact that like neither marie antoinette nor her husband are like solely responsible for the hunger in france but, like, yeah <laughs> i mean yeah but it's not it's the structural position that they're in right yeah exactly it's um, like no way not to get go under the guillotine you know yeah like if you're a queen after that you just have to <laughs> you just have to you I, can't I be love, like i'm yeah. sorry i'll fix it yeah <laughs> like uh, it's just like it's like a necessity like a necessary thing it has mm-hmm. to be achieved for the new government um yeah. to come forward and i just i just love like the lightness of that film like you would think it might be like really depressing or whatever yeah. it's just like the so light it's a really interesting the project pop music in that right yeah that runs through it it's really like playful and experimental i didn't really like the music i didn't really <laughs> like the like indie rock stuff in there like they're playing the strokes and i'm just like i'm not really in the mood for this i want to hear like you know the same stuff I feel like the music wasn't consistent with the like costumes and like the set design, so I wasn't really <laughs> into it. Mm. Yeah, I love the music in Virgin Suicide. I just feel like Playground Love just fits with that. Holy whole shit! Movie. You know, I love the music in Lost in Translation. I kind of forgot what kind of music plays. It's it's really like like hazy like mm. shoegazy music. Mm. Yeah, I would love 
okay now i'm like what kind of music plays? i like, like listen totally to the fun. soundtrack so many times yeah i with i don't know mary Antoinette. i just had such a good time like i watched it i think two times and both it, times some of I the shots are really it. nice you know when she like receives letters from her mother basically telling her like get your shit together and like give us you know give birth to a <laughs> child yeah and there's like scenes of her just like alone in like the castle and like the camera would just be moving backwards mm-hmm. from her mm-hmm. and like she just looks like she's having the most devastating time yeah like those shots are really nice the type of shots that i really loved and that stuck with me is like the shots in the carriages what is it called yeah carriages carriages right so because in the end there's that scene where sh- she leaves the party quite late the mask ball like mask room ballroom mm-hmm. party whatever where yeah. he where she meets the guy the officer <laughs> the swedish officer yes yeah, swedish yeah. officer but there's a scene where she's like leaving going back from the party like early in the morning mm-hmm. like in the carriage and then towards the end there's a part where she's leaving Versailles, possibly to go to the court and mm-hmm. you know get go under the guillotine but there's that it's like the sun there's a sunset or sunrise it's the sunrise that is coming up and it's reflecting and you can kind of see like the really beautiful like a scenery mm-hmm. and she's just in there and it's quite like lonely and it's really yeah. quite sad and like those kind of moments just really give her i guess more character <laughs> <laughs> we just like really love marie antoinette <laughs> yeah, yeah honestly it's if you're in her position i feel like it's hard not to do otherwise uh, exactly you know? <laughs> like, what are you gonna do if you have so much like income at your disposable like dispose that you just like she mm. really has a like taste for the beautiful you know exactly you gotta yeah. give, to that. <laughs> give her that and mm-hmm. she was young too yeah so that's how we felt about Mary Antoinette because we both enjoyed it a lot. Um, I feel like I, I was kind of expecting more towards the end. I thought like I was going to see like an image of like the, I don't know, the like civilians of France mm. and just like how poverty stricken they were. Mm. But I feel like it makes sense because she was so detached from that, right? Yeah, well, well she was, but like I thought like it would be a nice... Um, turn if she actually got to see it in the end mm. and like i was kind of expecting the the guillotine part to show up but it didn't and like i guess it didn't have to be there because everyone knows what happened to marie antoinette yeah exactly yeah like i really enjoyed like almost all the like <laughs> depictions of overconsumption and yeah all the extravagant details on her hair mm-hmm. on her dress and you know who needs a hundred shoes no one but she does <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so on all of those aspects it's again like i feel like she really like almost celebrated her love for fashion <laughs> with mary Antoinette, um mm-hmm. the film right yeah like you can see that details were like really given to those yeah. scenes and um i yeah. think it just like secretly kind of captures that like tendency of women to like <laughs> shopping <Yeah. laughs> to like nicer things you yeah, know like just appreciating the finer things yes appreciating finer things having lots of things <laughs> yeah. i feel like like the bling ring kind of goes off on the same kind of tangent mm-hmm, i don't true. to be honest like i don't really understand i feel like sofia coppola 
isn't as much of an auteur when she's making the bling ring. The bling ring seems like a really like a random project, project, right? Yeah. 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 But she does kind of explore that like extravagance. It, yeah, and like infatuation, more of an infatuation with that kind of life. Yeah. With the through the lens of teenagers living in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Bling Wing was so like forgettable that I don't even know if I finished that movie. <laughs> I feel like whatever she was trying to do, she did it in Marie Antoinette and she shouldn't have really bothered. Right? <laughs> it just seemed like kind of a step down. Like maybe if she made the Bling Wing before Marie Antoinette, it would kind of make sense. Maybe, yeah. Um, with the themes, right? Yeah, yeah. With the themes of like wealth and like lavishness and like people's desire to just accumulate mm-hmm. you know they weren't even looking for money the teenagers they just wanted like nice shoes yeah and, like, exactly. watches and clothes. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but with bling wing it was just so like i don't know it was such a downgrade such a letdown um from like all of her other films I mean, that. I it feel was, like she it just didn't fun. like dedicate. I think she just wanted to make like a fun movie about like yeah. something that happened. And yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe because I feel like she's quite experimental mm-hmm. with what she does. Like her first film is an adaptation from book, and like you know she did yeah. not try made a movie about her personal experience, and like maybe she wanted to do one about the real life event, and you know yeah. that's just how it turned out. Yeah, I feel like Marie Antoinette just worked mm-hmm. a bit better because like um, it kind of provides like a different perspective on the life of Marie Antoinette um, Mm -hmm. in opposition to like what they you know how they saw her historically but like the care like Marie Antoinette is very um, it's very pop you know even though it's like (laughs) based on a story from the 1700s Um, but even if the bling ring tries to have the same sort of attitude it doesn't really provide that same contrast because Mm -hmm. like it's the same teenagers that we see around ourselves yeah. on this very day yeah, so it's not really like a yeah. charged character like mm-hmm. Marie Antoinette who's been obviously been made fun of made into so many different things god I love that quote where she was just like let them make cake, yeah, let them make cake then <laughs> yes like if they don't have bread. yeah I don't think she actually said it yeah, like that's where I read so. in other sources yeah but honestly that's iconic mm-hmm. that'd be iconic <laughs> yeah just imagine being so blind to everything so when someone tells you they don't have bread and they're serving they're like oh why can't they eat cake <laughs> just give them a lot of bread that's so funny yes oh honestly yeah i feel like i would watch mary Antoinette at some point in my life again it's kind of like to me it's almost like a comfort film because i just love all the like fun things that goes into it like all the parties and like all the desserts that they eat i know i just like love like that kind of yeah cute aspects of it um what should we do a movie oh should we do a podcast on next um like i guess if i really had to think about now that it's coming to an end of 2021 oh yeah true uh, a film that i really enjoyed almost the most i guess was autumn sonat by bergman yeah so to me that film also again we can do an episode on that yeah like took me to places that i have not visited um, yeah, I watched Autumn Sonata pretty recently, too, and, like, it was just, you know, it was, it was obviously fucking amazing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we should try to come up with, like, a top ten list of movies we watched this year. I haven't watched many movies from 2021. Me, too. Um, so, can't really do a list on that, but, 
just in general yeah just in general like let's do a recount of like what we enjoyed in 2021 on the next episode yes and wait for that so yeah <laughs> stay tuned for that yes uh, thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> today is probably our like longest episode so mm, thanks yeah. for staying put yeah hope you enjoyed it yes bye